Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Usually, the Sunday after Thanksgiving is the first Sunday of Advent, but because of the way the calendar works this year, the Advent starts next Sunday. There are some Advent devotionals that are available. I signed up for one by Louis Giglio. I found it just as an ad on Facebook, and I've listened to the first part of that, and it's really a wonderful one. It's talking about waiting, the idea of waiting. And we wait on Jesus. The people were waiting for the Messiah to come. Uh, We wait for Jesus to come again. And that uh, part of Advent is talking about coming. The word Advent means coming. So the first coming of Jesus, but also it's a time to prepare our hearts to look forward to the second coming of Jesus as well. So be thinking of those things. Uh, Today's message will be related to the second coming as we're sort of have been going through 1 Thessalonians. And we're going to come to that part in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, or chapter or chapters 4 and 5 we're going to look at today. And looking at this uh, beautiful promise of God relating to Jesus coming again. Now catching up a little bit from last week, uh, we focused on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 7. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. That's our calling, not to be impure, but to be holy, to live a holy life. True faith makes a difference in how we live. If our faith doesn't impact our daily living, then we need to reexamine our relationship with Jesus. Faith matters. Faith makes a difference in our everyday lives. How does your faith in Jesus affect the way that you live day to day, how you treat people, how you interact with people. And this season of the year, especially Black Friday, there evidently were big crowds out. I didn't go out myself, but uh, there were lots of people out. Uh, The store workers do what they can, but uh, we need to pray for peace for them as well. It can be a great struggle. Uh, But we're thankful for all those who serve. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now as we come to this chapter, I want us to uh, just think a little bit about what was going on. Uh, remember that Paul had only been with the people in Thessalonica for three weeks before he was basically chased out of town. So in three weeks' time, he talked to them about Jesus over and over and over, and he told them so many things. Uh, We hear in this letter to them, uh, you know this, you know that. I mean, already in that very short time that they had known the Lord, they had grown and learned so many things. Uh, Paul Uh, taught them a variety of key truths. Like Jesus is God's promised Messiah for whom they have been waiting for centuries. 
God was doing something new and fresh. He was fulfilling the prophecies that he had given hundreds of years before. And now they were living in the time when the prophecies were being fulfilled. Jesus, the Messiah, had, who, he paid the price for their sins by dying on the cross. Paul taught them this. He reminded them this. Though this was also prophesied in the Old Testament, the Jews of Jesus' day were not anticipating one who would be a suffering servant. Uh, and then Paul also revealed Jesus that he not only died on the cross, but he was raised from the dead. He is the Messiah raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, thus declaring that Jesus truly is the Son of God. Romans chapter 1, verse 4 describes that. And Paul taught them also that Jesus is the Messiah who will fulfill all remaining messianic promises when he comes again. Now, when we think about why he taught them, we could say that's pretty basic. All Christians should know something about all of those things, and we should grab hold of it and hold it in our hearts. But remember, he's only there for three weeks. Uh, we've been listening to messages for most of our lives, or at least for months, and yet they heard all these things in that short time. It's pretty amazing. Now, in today's passage, and I'll just warn the guys in the back, this will be on the screen for a long time. All right. Uh, and, and there will be that code word uh, that worked so well last year, uh, or last year, last week. Boy, time does fly, but not quite that fast. Uh, in today's passage, Paul expanded on his teachings of the second coming of Jesus. Uh, in the midst of intense persecution, the promise of the second coming gave the Thessalonian believers a, a, a hope that helped them to go through the suffering, that helped them to endure. They look forward to meeting Jesus face to face, and they look forward very soon. In times of stress, we long to escape, or we long for deliverance. Some of the greatest songs about the second coming of Jesus were written by African Americans who were suffering under the bondage of slavery. Uh, and uh, if you look uh, in a hymn book and you see some of the great hymns about the second coming and look at the dates and see what was going on, it's a lot of them were from the 1800s, like the 1860s, 1870s. And it's because they were out of burdens, wanting to be rescued and looking forward to Jesus coming back. Swing low, sweet chariot, coming to take me home. What, uh, what beautiful songs. Well, brothers and sisters, Jesus is coming again. This is the promise of God for us. And with the saints of old, we say, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and look at verse 13. Verse 13. Brothers, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. Thinking about the context of this verse. When Jesus comes. In the short time between accepting Jesus as their Savior and the time when Paul wrote this letter, some of the new believers in Thessalonica had died. Some of them probably from sickness, a sort of a natural occurrence, but others uh, surely from persecution. Uh, so what's going to happen to them? They aren't here for Jesus' return. Uh, will they miss out somehow? 
That's what the people were wondering. And so Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of people who have no hope. So don't be confused. Don't be uninformed, unknowing or ignorant about this. We want you to know the sure hope that we have in the Lord Jesus, the sure hope of those who die in the Lord. We don't want you to suffer grief in the same way that people who suffer, who grieve, who don't know Jesus. Now, Paul was not saying that we should not grieve. He says we should not grieve as the unbelievers. So we do grieve when we lose a loved one. We sorrow in our hearts and it's sometimes a very intense sorrow. But it's different when we know, if we know that our loved one knew Jesus, that they have been delivered from their suffering and their pain and that they are with him. That's an altogether different feeling of grief than those who do not know Jesus. Those who have no hope, those who do not believe, those who are still bound in their sin and unbelief, for those death and their understanding is an absolute end. There is nothing else. Uh, For them, death is a horrible enemy that can never be defeated. The pain of loss is intense and nothing can truly bring comfort. But things are different for those who believe. We have hope. Hope in Jesus. Hope in His return. Hope in His promises. Let's continue reading on in chapter 4. Verse 14. We begin... We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So our foundation, Paul tells them, we believe this. He's saying, this is what we believe. This is a type of creed. Credo in Latin means I believe. So when you hear about the church creeds, the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, these are statements of belief uh, that say this is what all believers together believe. We agree on these things, these creeds. So here Paul is saying this is what we believe. We believe that Jesus died. Nobody was debating that at that time. He died. Uh, He died on that cross. He rose again from the dead. Uh, We believe that he ascended into heaven and is at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, implied there in verse 14. And we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep, meaning they have passed away in him, meaning in faith, those who have believed. God will bring them back with Jesus. That's the promise of God. Those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those who have died, even though they had placed their faith in Jesus, we believe that God will bring them back with Jesus when he comes. They aren't left out. They won't miss anything. And this isn't just Paul's own human idea, but he says in verse 15, according to the Lord's own word. Or by the very teaching of Jesus himself, we know that those who have died and those who are alive will experience the return of Jesus together. 
together we experience Jesus' return. Verse 16 tells us that when Jesus returns, He will come from heaven with a loud command, uh, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. There will be no missing out. There have been a couple of times when I've been a part of the March for Life in D.C., and it always gets started by someone blowing a shofar horn, a Hebrew shofar horn. And it's just that loud tone like a trumpet. And it's a call to action. It's, it's sort of in the Old Testament, it talks about sounding the horn to gather the people together. Well, this is the call of the trumpet of God. And it's going to be amazing. And call together uh, to meet Jesus. The command and call will raise believers from the dead to join those who are still living when together they are caught up or raptured to be with Jesus forever. Verse 17 says, And so we will be with the Lord forever. Praise the Lord. You don't know how much I'd like to say the other word, but we're not ready. Verse 18. Just want to paraphrase this. In other words, knowing these truths and promises remind each other. Comfort and encourage each other with these words, with this teaching, with this reassurance, with this sure and certain hope. Paul's comforting teaching was wonderful. Yes, they would all get to be part of meeting Jesus, the return of Jesus. But then when's that going to happen, Paul? When's it going to take place? We thought it would have happened already, but we're still waiting and we're anticipating, we're expectant. But when's it going to happen? So we go on in verse 5 to Paul's instruction. Verses 1 through 3 of chapter 5. Now, brothers, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Paul says to them, you already know key points. You don't need us to write to you any more about the times and dates than you already know. What did they know? He said, you know very well that the Lord, the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. Some of you who were living during the 70s would remember that there was a film called A Thief in the Night. And that film, I haven't watched it in a long time, uh, but I can remember it had a powerful impact. It focused on the rapture of the church, and it made its viewers want to be sure that they wouldn't be left behind when Jesus returns, that they would be caught up with believers to be with Jesus. Now, we don't know exactly how and when Jesus returns, but we do know that he will come like a thief in the night. No, not to steal, kill, or destroy, but suddenly, when the people of the world aren't aware, aren't alert, aren't expecting him, many will be crying peace and safety and never expecting cataclysmic judgment that will take place. It says destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman. Yes, a pregnant woman knows the delivery will be approximate date and she knows it will be coming and even has a fair idea of the time. But until those labor pains come and they come with intensity, 
Uh, she never knows when that baby will come. The coming of Jesus will be sudden and quick. No one will escape it. For those who love Jesus, it will be a victorious and glorious time. There will be a great choir in heaven uh, singing and rejoicing of this day has come. The wedding has come for the bride and the lamb. Uh, But for those who don't believe, those who do not know Jesus, that day will not be a day of blessing. It will be a day of fear, a day when they long to hide. But there will be no time. Judgment has come. For any of you who may have watched a Thief in the Night film, you may have felt similar anxiety that I felt at the time. I need to be ready now for Jesus to return. And what if I'm not? Well, that really isn't the purpose that Paul is doing there. It's not to create anxiety, but he's to comfort and encourage these believers. He's trying to make not make believers anxious, but he's giving them words of encouragement and exhortation. Let's read more, beginning with verse 4. But you, brothers, are not in darkness, so that the day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So Paul says in verse 4, But you, you, you are not like the unsuspecting, the unbelieving world. No, you know that Jesus is coming again. You may not know the exact time, but you know the promise. You are aware of the promise. You are aware so that you can be constantly on the alert and looking for Jesus. I've told you before about driving my school bus and that every morning I can, at some point on the route, I can see the sunrise. And on those days when you can really see sunrise, it's not all clouded over. Uh, it's what a joy. I know some people who've never seen a sunrise because they're not morning people, but there's something about that sunrise looking to the east. And I look, look at that in the sunrise and every time one, I'm thinking about the glory of the Lord, but also this could be the day. This could be the day that Jesus comes back. Uh, what a glory that will be. He says to us, you are not in darkness. You are not blinded by sin. Uh, you are not clueless. You are not caught by surprise. Rather, verse 5 says, you are children of the light and of the day. The blindfolds that we had have been removed. Uh, we see the true condition of the world around us. There's, there's more to life than just this world. We see the impact of sin on our world as the world hurdles toward destruction. Though non-believers are blind to the dangers that we can clearly see, and even though we warn them, some still choose to continue on the path of darkness. We can envision their end. And we choose instead 
to live in the light. Let's paraphrase verse 6. So let's not live like others who are dulled to the danger. Rather, let's stay alert and practice self-control. Let's give ourselves to live for God and not for our own sinful, selfish desires. And verse 8, saying, since we belong to the day, because this is true, because we are part of the light, remembering Paul's imagery of the darkness of sin that plagues our fallen world and the contrasting glory of God's amazing light that reveals God's holiness, love, and forgiveness, Paul then reminds them and us that we are of the day. Our lives are not characterized by darkness. This is not, that is not who we are. We have been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus, and we have been made new. The old dark way of living has passed away, and now all things are constantly being made new through Jesus. He's still working on us, but he's making things new day by day as we give ourselves to him. Therefore, since we belong to the day, because we are people of light, then let us be self-controlled, not yielding to selfish desires, lust, or other forms of sin, instead surrendering our will to the will of the Father, giving ourselves to live for Him. Because we are people of the light, we practice self-control by putting on faith and love as a breastplate, actively living out our faith each day, uh, expressing our love for God and each other every day. Our act of practice is like a protective breastplate, protecting our vital spiritual organs, protecting us from evil, keeping up our guard. We are also called to put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. When Satan shoots his fiery darts of accusation and temptation, we remember that we have been bought with a price, that Jesus died for us, and through faith in Jesus, uh, he has forgiven us. Satan's attempts to wound us and tell us that we are not worthy, uh, he tries it again and again and again. But the helmet of salvation reminds us that Jesus is the one who makes us worthy. He is the one who has redeemed us and we belong to Him. Uh, the helmet of salvation not only looks back to the cross, but it looks ahead to eternity as we live in eager anticipation of victory in Jesus, a victory that will continue for all time and eternity. Our active lives of faith, love, and hope prepare us so that we can survive and overcome Satan's attack and persecutions around us. In verse 11, we're told, encourage each other, build each other up as you're already doing, because you know that you are not appointed to suffer God's uh, wrath. You are not appointed to suffer God's eternal wrath, but rather to enjoy eternal, everlasting salvation through Jesus. Salvation is our reality and our inheritance in Jesus. And you know that whether in this life or the next, we will live together, together with Jesus. Verse 10 says, whether awake or asleep, we will live together with him. This is true. This is real. This is the promise of God, and we believe it. Comfort each other. Encourage each other. 
Lift each other up and grow in your faith as you eagerly await the soon coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. Hallelujah. Jesus is coming again. This is our certain hope. This is the promise of God. At the end of his first letter to the church of Corinth, Paul cried out, Maranatha, which means come, O Lord. In the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 7, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 12, Jesus says, Behold, I am coming soon. Verse 20, Jesus says, Yes, I am coming soon. Do you hear it? I am coming, Jesus says. I am coming soon. And then hallelujah with the Apostle John, with the very Spirit of God, and yes, with the entire church of Jesus, the bride of Christ, we respond, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Just a couple of months ago, I heard a song, Come, Jesus, Come, uh, by Stephen McWhorter. The words struck me as they spoke of our longing for Jesus. And many times we don't hear much about second coming uh, on modern Christian radio, but this one uh, has been out for a couple years, but it's only recently been much on the stations I've heard. I want to read to you the words to the song. And after our service completes, we're going to play the song for you uh, with words on the screen. Uh, That'll be after the streaming has ended. And then you'll be able to hear more of what this is. The writer says, Sometimes I fall to my knees and pray, Come, Jesus, come. Let today be the day. Sometimes I feel like I'm going to break, but I'm holding on to a hope that won't fade. Come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return to heal every hurt and right every wrong. We need you right now. Come and turn this around. Deep down, I know this world isn't home. Come, Jesus, come. There'll be no war and there'll be no chains. When Jesus comes, let today be the day. He'll come for the weak and the strong just the same. And all will believe in the power of his name. Come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return to heal every hurt and to right every wrong. We need you right now. Come and turn this around. Deep down, I know this world isn't home. Come, Jesus, come. One day he'll come and we'll stand face to face. Come and lay it all down because it might be today. The time is right now. There's no need to wait. Your past will be washed by rivers of grace. Come, Jesus, come. We've been waiting so long for the day you return to heal every hurt and right every wrong. We need you right now. Come and turn this around. Deep down I know this world isn't home. Come, Jesus, come.